You're listening to sermon audio from Gospelite Baptist Church. For more resources or to donate to this ministry, please visit gospelite.org. Hey, turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 16. If you need a worship guide, raise your hands and the guys will get you one quickly. I've got another handout a little bit later uh, in the service, just a few minutes actually. But let me go ahead and introduce this. <clears throat> we uh, we have been in a little small sermon series. In fact, next week we're going to jump into a, another series in, in the book of Psalms, chapter 23. The most familiar chapter in all of the Word of God, the Lord is my shepherd. You familiar with that? I shall not want. Uh, that is going to be our topic for next week, and I'm already so excited about some of the new things that God is showing me in that passage that I can't wait to share with you. And sometimes when God shows us stuff, we're like, that's for a pastor, that's like a kid in a candy store, man. He just can't wait to share it. So I, I can't wait to, to, to talk to you next week about, about that. But we've been in a little small series, and we kind of talked last week uh, about how this all came to be. Uh, last Sunday, I shared with you that God has been working since the beginning of this year to show us, to show us as a church, to show me as a, as a, as a lead pastor, our elder board, some things that are beginning to breathe life and, 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 and victory, if you will, and vision into this ministry. So there's been a lot of positive energy over the last several weeks. doesn't mean you don't have uh, some, some negative, too. Uh, we mentioned last week that when you stay somewhere 26 years, you're going to have ups and downs. You're going to have mountains and valleys. You're going to have, in a marriage, that's going to happen. In a friendship, in a college, a church, a school, in life, in life, you're going to have ups and downs. I mean, this morning we, we shared an, uh, some announcements and prayed for a family this morning that all of us would, would, would take a step back and say, wow, you know, that's, 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 that's something to sober you up a little bit and realize that sometimes things happen in life that we don't expect and, and, and we're taken back some by those things. But then other times in life, we sense a moving of God in, in the church. And as we do, we want to make sure that we're connected. I mean, we're, we're hearing God's voice. We're moving forward in the right direction. So that's what's been happening. And we've been responding to that. And it's been exciting. And a lot of positive things have happened. And, and there's growth. And we see more folks and more members and, and all these things. And so, uh, well, back January of this year, I began to share with the elders that God was doing this in my heart. But I knew we had some gaping holes. I knew we had some things we needed to, to, to fix, to shore up, to make better. And so the first few minutes of my message is going to be somewhat of a sharing time where I can prepare you for the message that will, honestly, I've, I've already preached it. It looks like a lot of notes, but it's about 20, 20 minutes. I, I, I'm going to teach you about the church and how it fits into, into your life, how you fit into the church's life. Because remember, last week, we kind of took you and me as individuals. And we decided, you know, what, what, what does it look like if I am being the church uh, I, I, every day? What does that look like? And we talked about things uh, that Paul pointed out to the church at Colossae, like encouraging others and loving one another and growing in God's word and increasing our faith. And, and we connected with that. Now, today we're going to look at a bigger picture, a bigger picture. Where can we attach those things now to this church and, and move forward? Um, so with that said, let me, let me begin by sharing with you a little bit about Gospel Light. First of all, uh, since day one, I've been here, 26 years, and when I started Gospel Light, it was, uh, it was me as the senior pastor and about 18 people uh, that wandered into that first service. 
And that's kind of how you start churches sometimes. You just kind of hope somebody shows up. I remember one Wednesday night, we had, uh, I think, seven or eight people show up to that service. And in those moments, you kind of wonder, you know, should we have canceled the service today? You know, but we didn't. And we kept going and moving and growing and adding one or two or a family. And, and, and eventually, you, you get a little group and you uh, uh, form a little committee called deacons, maybe, or, the, or a, you know, a, a board of directors to try to become a 501c3 and, and incorporate the church. And all those things began to happen quite quickly as we bought property and began to grow. As time went on, we, we added deacons. And as time went on, we added some elders. And as time went on, our staff grew. And so for just a moment, let me tell you what it looks like now. There is, in our church, a, a senior pastor, a lead pastor. And that person is someone who casts vision for the church. Usually you see that guy doing most of the preaching, most of the teaching in the corporate gatherings. Not all, but most. Uh, he's usually one that would be called upon to do maybe funerals or weddings. Uh, he might also... Uh, do a lot of counseling in the church or meeting with families and, and creating uh, sermon series and those types of things. And so he's also someone who on a daily basis on campus is there and leading and working with people and troubleshooting and just taking care of day-to-day operations with the help of his staff. So that's the senior pastor. And in our bylaws, we actually describe that. And uh, then there's another group of people that we call now the elders. About three or four years ago, our church began to kind of grow into something we felt was much more biblical than the previous model. Not that the model we had before was anti-biblical, but many more, many times as you grow in grace and understanding of God's word, we talked about that last week, you say, you know what, man, this is, this is incredible. This is, this is even better. And so that's what we did. We, we did the better thing. And we, we got a group of uh, men together as we uh, led the church for about a six-month period and, and, and choosing those men and gathering those men together and learning how we can become an elder board. So you've got this senior pastor, but then there's something called, we call it a plurality of leadership. It's like a coach and his coaching staff. It's like men that come together and they begin to make decisions, not just the pastor's decision, but these men speaking into and even sometimes voting differently and, and, and doing something maybe different because now the church is protected by wise men and men who have been chosen by God to help make decisions for the church spiritually. So those men have been working together for now about three years and we're excited. It's growing. We're a work in progress, but we're becoming much more, there's much more uh, togetherness. There's always been unity, but we're, 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 we're working together more than we ever have before. Then there's a group called the deacons. Now, these guys used to meet once a month and kind of a traditional Baptist church where you just get together, talk a little bit about this, that, or the other, and it's a good meeting and deacons are fine. But you know what? We, we weren't looking at the Bible as, as seriously about what their role is as we are now. We found in Acts chapter 6 that these dudes are like really important. Like these guys are actively involved in church ministry because the pastor is so busy maybe uh, preaching, teaching, studying, praying, meeting with people doing what the pastor's called to do, that the deacons now say, wait a minute, you guys do what you do, we'll take care of the rest, and you don't even have to pay us. We'll work, we'll give an hour, two hours, three hours. So these deacons now in our church, they're not elders, they're not pastors, but they're godly men. And these men are working in ministries that we used to have staff over. 
I mean, we used to have in this ministry for our maintenance staff, five, six, seven guys, budgets of one hundred and fifty dollars to $200,000 just to take care of buildings, mow lawns, we, you know, I mean, everything you can ever imagine in, the, in a facility with over 100 restrooms and 180,000 square feet of property and acres of grass and parking lot. I mean, there's a lot to do, so we would just spend money to take care of it. But we realized that that, that was getting us into, into some trouble. That was something that we needed to relook at. So as we did... We said, wait a minute, according to Scripture, deacons can do a lot of that. And so these men, ten of them, began to latch themselves to different areas of ministry, whether it's transportation, whether it's the, 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 the maintenance of the properties and the mowing of the lawns, or whether it's the, maybe the nursery ministries or the building ministries or the small group ministries. I mean, areas where they are attaching themselves to and saying, you know what, I am going to lead in these areas and have volunteers come alongside and help us because this is our church and we want to see this thing first class. So that's deacons now, and they're great men. Then you've got another entity. And while I'm announcing this entity, I'm going to have you guys go ahead all over the building and pass out these little directories. Now, you're going to be tempted, like the first service, to read and look and not hear what I say. But if you'll trust me, would you just kind of receive that, take it, and, and just keep listening, if you don't mind, just because it'll help me. I only get to preach once a week to you guys, and if, if you guys read while I'm preaching, I'm going to be like, oh, stink, man. I missed my opportunity. So just hang in there with me for just a moment. Then there's another group. You've got your lead pastor. You've got your elders. You've got your deacons. You ready for the last and final group? Drum roll. Here we go. You ready? Staff. Now, staff are people that we do actually pay. These are men and women that are on payroll. These are families that actually come to work every day to this property. They actually have an office. They have a, a, a full-time calling to ministry, and God has called them into a specific area of ministry. And that is really where I want to focus our attention today is to that group. Though the paper you have in your hand that you're looking at and reading and not listening to me, and I love you for that. Uh, I really do. I know. Hey, listen, I don't blame you. It's tough. Uh, I probably shouldn't have passed this out, but I thought you got to have it. So I'm, I'm joking. So if you look, just hang in there with me. So you can read all of the insides later. It's got small groups in there. We're starting three new small groups. There's information about the deacons, the elders. But most importantly, today, I want you to get connected to something because as we talk today, you're going to wonder, as a church member, as a guest, as someone who's considering gospel, you're going to kind of wonder, okay, after the message... If it's that important, if the church matters that much, if it's that big a deal to God, then how and where do I serve? What? How do I fit into this? I know I don't have to be full-time. I don't have to be paid. But I need to be someone who is connected to my family. You'll, You'll learn all this in just a minute. So hang tight. So I want to introduce to you what we're calling this morning our church staff. I want you to meet them because these are people on property every day. These are people leading your kids, your families. They're here today serving in different places of the ministry. First of all, I'd like to introduce my wife to you. Caroline, come on the platform and stand with me. This is my lovely bride of 30 years. We've been married for 30. We've been here together for 26 years. And so here is my bride, and I'm going to give her a half hug. Okay, a full hug. Okay, and, uh, and, and we're together, and we've been together for here for a long time. This is our, our home. This is where we've raised our family. This is where we live. We actually live in the hood, about three blocks away from right here. And uh, yeah, I love it, you know. So we are, we are truly hot springs people. I mean, we're not, we're not hiding, man. We're right here 
downtown where the action is. Trust me, all right? And there's been a lot of action lately. Anyway, uh, pass on that. So, um, so Carol Ann's going to stand with me. Then I want to ask Nathan and Danae Settlers to come and stand right here next to us. And back up just a little bit, sweet pea, right there. Good. And so Nathan and Danae. Now, Nathan and Danae are serving together as husband and wife. Nathan is our administrative pastor. What's an administrative pastor? Nathan's been here three and a half years. Uh, unfortunately, he is not a Razorback. He is a Clemson Tiger. But we forgave him for that. No. Hey, listen. It's good to be a Clemson Tiger these days. Let's just be honest, right? So anyway... Nathan and Danae serve as our administrative pastors. Now, Nathan is someone who uh, runs the daily operations of the church from a financial perspective. Our accounts payables, our accounts receivables. He works with Ms. Jamie Wagner as our church uh, as secretary, doing the, the finances, making sure that we're, we're getting everything taken care of. And I mean, everything from as little as, hey, utilities are taken care of and paid. We're making sure that this building doesn't leak and we got, you know... 10 different water meters and trying to keep up with all that. You got to have somebody to do things like that. He's also helping us with our volunteers, making sure that we're streamlining people who want to serve and especially with our children. Are they, is, are they filling out an application? Has there been a background check so we can release them to serve in that ministry? Those types of things and along with many other things. Everything from making sure that, you know, our fire department is here to expect buildings and yearly inspections and, and, uh, and, and, of course, working also with people in small groups and teaching. And he has a small group, a very healthy small group with multiple couples in it. And they're learning the Word of God together and growing together spiritually. So Nathan serves as our administrative pastor with his wife, uh, Danae, and they're wonderful. And then I want to introduce Shane and Katrina Robertson. Now, Shane and Katrina are brand new to the churches of last week, but can I say they're not brand new to the ministry here. About two years ago, Shane began to teach Bible in our college, and he quickly moved up to the Dean of Biblical Studies. And Shane began to lead in that area, and really kind of, he began to help us to form our Bible curriculum. And it was exciting. Shane loves to teach. He's got a, a doctorate in, in, uh, in theology, and so he just loves the Word of God and loves teaching. He also served alongside Pastor Manley at Hot Springs Baptist and has done that for the past 12 years. And God has worked to knit the hearts of pastors together to a place where now we are a church in Hot Springs, not just one church, although we are one church in different neighborhoods, we are also one church as a universal church, as a body of believers. And you'll understand that more in just a moment. So to make a long story short, there's obviously always more details to all these stories, but as God began to, to, to see that Champion was going to grow and become larger and, and, and bigger, God began to show us that we needed Shane more. So we've asked Shane to take on more responsibility and more leadership. And then, since he was going to be on campus, God had already been speaking to our elder board about a need that we had. We wanted to divide ministry over uh, a family pastor. We wanted to have a family pastor that could help our younger staff who are doing a lot of things, mentor them, guide them, help them, instruct them, and also to help connect our families better to these ministries. And so we've asked Shane to become our family pastor. Along with his responsibilities at Champion, he's serving also at, at Gospel Light because he has 12 years experience. And what's beautiful is God has led him here, not just he and his wife, but also with the approval and excitement of his church family just right across town. So God has been in all of this, and it's been beautiful to watch happen. Also, because Shane has uh, fostered for many years and adopted 
uh, he saw that that was very important to our church and could see where he could also come in and be a, 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 a part of that as well. So there's a lot of different reasons, but we're so excited about him growing into this and you seeing how important it will be for us to have uh, families serving and working together. Then I'd like to ask uh, Mo to come. Mo and his wife Susanna real quick. Mo and Susanna are going to stand together. They have been serving for the past several years as student pastor and student pastor's wife in our thriving youth ministry. And so Mo's kind of, he's a, he's a pinch hitter in a lot of other areas too. Mo teaches in the Christian school. He coaches the basketball team. And he works, he works in, at Team Revolution. But pretty much everything Mo does has to do with the ages of 12 to 18. In fact, we tried to use him a little bit in our children's ministry. And though he helped and enjoyed it, he said, Dad, I don't think I'm called to that. I like, I like teenagers, man. That's who I want to work with. And how many of you are glad he's called to work with that group? Thank you. Amen. I've got my hand up for more reasons than one, all right? That's a high, that's a high energy group, and there's a lot going on. On Wednesday nights, they have their main gathering of anywhere from on the low end, 60 to the high end, 100 plus teenagers that come to the madhouse, making a difference, worship, and go to small groups, and they are a, a great group of young people. There's a lot of things going on in our youth department, and we're excited about the growth there and what all God is doing and how God is leading Bo and Susanna. Uh, in now to their fourth year of marriage and seeing God work as they lead the youth group. Then I want uh, to ask um, Troy and Candace Brassel. Troy's going to come. His wife, Candace, is six. He texted me yesterday, preacher, I'm not feeling well. Can Troy represent me? I said, oh, he's not going to look as good as if you were here, Candace, but we'll, we'll look at Troy for a little bit here without his wife. And Troy is great. Troy came to us miraculously through, uh, really, it's, 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 I, I told the first service, we, we, we get together and just cry together because the way God put us together was so supernatural it would have had to been God that brought us together at the Hot Springs Convention Center an event we were hosting there and God then moved him here and the last time I saw him was that five minute conversation at the convention center little did I know that God would lead his family here his children here and it's just been awesome so Troy and Candace now have stepped into a support staff position not paid yet but, but it is a position that requires pastoral leadership. What's beautiful is Shane's been in the ministry for a couple of decades in churches and served and recently now serving in a secular position in, in, in our community. Uh, much, much ministry involved in what he does. But he is a very experienced in ministry. And so it was perfect to have him step into our preschool ministry as our preschool pastor working to develop our nursery ministries, the security of it, the technology of it, uh, upgrading the building and working to just see what can we do to make this year of the child and beyond a place where children can grow and gather and become, you know, everything God wants them to be. So it's so exciting that, that Troy and Candace have stepped into that position. And I'm so thrilled about that. Then I want to ask Timothy and, and uh, Diane to come up. Timothy Gillespie and Di- Tim. Timothy. Tim Gillespie and Diane. Uh, come up here, Timothy. I love you, buddy. Tim and Diane are great. Both graduates of Champion Christian College, and Tim is now the school principal. His wife teaches at the school. They work in a very exciting, growing Christian school here on our campus. And God has given him a burden for the school, and he has done a great job of leading about 12 to 13 employees every day on campus, managing that helping to make sure that things go right and smoothly in our athletic programs and all of our extension programs out of our Christian school. A lot of vision casting right now, accreditation, I-20 status, getting international students from China in here. A lot of great things taking place. Tim leads that every day on campus. And then I want you to meet Ken and Danielle Reed. Ken and Danielle serve 
in our media uh, ministry. Ken is our much a media pastor. We call it a media director. But he, he pastors over everything that goes out of our church that has to do with bulletins, with website, with graphic design work, with sermon series, with, uh, you know, making sure that our ministry has a look and a feel that is up to date, that, that is somewhat trendy, that is keeping up with the times. These are important things. And so usually you'll find a younger person involved in this. And it's got some skills and some talent in developing things and logos. And Ken's been amazing. And his wife, Danielle, is so supportive. Ken's my, my, uh, my nephew. And uh, pray for his dad who pastors in Hawaii where that hurricane's passing through right now. And it looks like it's not going to hit the brunt of where his daddy is as I see it. But uh, pray, pray for them if you would. I've had that on the prayer line as well. So Ken and Daniel are doing a great job. Been with us for quite a few years. I think, Ken, are you into your 10th year yet? 10th year. Isn't that amazing? That's awesome. And then I want Joe and Tiffany, if they would come together. Joe has recently been married. Tiffany's expecting her, uh, her third child. Joe's first with Tiffany. But God uniquely put them together. And they now are raising three children, my grandchildren. And God put Joe in a beautiful, beautiful situation where as a young man, he began to love and mentor two children because their daddy's in heaven. And as he mentored them and loved them, and now they affectionately even call him daddy, uh, Joe began to get a burden for, for children. And, you know, our church has lacked in the area of having leadership and someone God called to work with our kids' light program. Not our teens, not our nursery, but that, that, that in-between elementary group and so when I went to Joe and met with him, and in just a minute I'll introduce you to Jordan, and met with Jordan, began to talk about our music ministry that they both were involved in. It became increasingly, uh, uh, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm saying a lot of words here. Evident. Thank you, honey. Increasingly evident. I just, that word escaped me. Thank you. Increasingly evident to me that God had not necessarily called Joe to a music worship ministry, although He's talented and blessed in that area, but that his heart was for kids and children. And there's a lot of things I could say about that. But I, I approached Joe about would he be willing to step down from the worship pastor position and step into the children's pastor position. And you know what? It didn't take Joe long to say, God, God's doing that, Dad. I know I, I want to serve whatever you need, but, man, I do feel called to, to something that is going to involve children and, and families and kids. And, man, that, that's just kind of where I'm at in life right now. And so Joe now will become our children's pastor. He's already putting hours into the buildings and finding out ways that we can now grow that, increase in our technology and all the things that go along with really making sure we have yearly Bible, uh, vacation Bible schools and, and, and camps and things that we had in years gone by, but with transition and change. And it, sometimes that goes away for a while and comes back stronger. And so that's what we're praying for. Then I want to ask Jordan and his fiance Mackenzie to come to the platform. And I believe this is my last introduction. So Jordan graduates from Champion Christian College in all four years, never looks, well, he looks at a girl, but he never flirts with a girl. Because you know what? He's already got one, and she is awesome. Mackenzie was back in West Virginia, and uh, they were um, dating all four years. They recently got engaged. Mackenzie's moved here, gotten a job at... Um, at Langston, thank you. I got it right this morning at Langston School. Isn't that great? In the trenches of Hot Springs, teaching in the elementary department of Langston School. And she's an amazing young lady. 
And so God has now brought them here. They're getting married in December, but they're together here serving uh, in the city of Hot Springs. Jordan has a calling to worship music, to music ministry. Jordan has written songs, and we sing those songs, and he's going to write more songs. And his burden is to help our church to become more engaged in worship, to understand the purpose of it, even to look at our services and how can we help create an environment that is, that is exactly how God would desire to be in this local church in, 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 in preparing our hearts for the Word of God. And how does that all come together? And what does that look like? And it's a, it's, we've had some great conversations, and there'll be many more in the future. But as of today, Jordan becomes our worship pastor, and Joe becomes our children's pastor. And their friendship, their friendship has created such camaraderie. There's no jealousy. There's no, man, I wish I was. It is like, man, whatever's best for, for the ministry. Isn't that beautiful? And God does that. So you're looking today at a staff. This is a component of our church that oftentimes we, we miss. How does the church run? How does it, how does it uh, on a daily basis, how does it uh, grow and get things done? And how are things prepared? Well, there's a group of people that God has called here to work full time. And then on Sundays, many of these folks are engaged in ministry here. And this is where this morning we need our church vision, vision casting, we need our entire church family, whether they're 9 o'clock or 1045, to engage our church staff and leadership and our church staff to engage our church body to become one. We're a team. It's not you and, you and them or them and you. It's us. We're all together. And so there's ministry. There's holes. There's needs. There's volunteers. There's places where somebody is overworked. And maybe like, for instance, a nursery worker, uh, Troy, that you would... If somebody doesn't show up, you'd call that same person every week because maybe we just need more help. And, and these types of things that we find out that we're needing our staff to be more aggressive with our family because church is important. And we're needing our church family to be more aggressive with those in leadership so that there is an explosion that takes place. And it's called the church, the place that God is working. So I wanted you to meet our staff. Would you join me in just thanking God for the people that he's placed in the midst of our church? And you guys can can go and be seated. Thank you. This was a little harder than you think to get all of them up here because they're usually in a lot of different places doing a lot of different things. But I told them, I just want you here one Sunday together because I, I, that, that blessed my heart. Now, let me tell you why I did that. I did that because of what I'm going to talk to you about right now. Let me ask you a question that is not a trick question. And here it is. And I want you to answer it if you can out loud. If you don't know it, then just answer it the best you can, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll listen. Where is God working? Somebody tell me. The church. The church. So let me ask you the question now, and everybody answer it together. Where is God working? That's exactly right. That's the place that God works. Let's talk about that for just a minute. That's where the action is. But for some, in this building, that's hard to hear. Because as a pastor, I know that many have been disillusioned by the church. They've been hurt by the church. They've gotten a, an idea, a, a wrong idea about the church because something has happened to them. And they've been hurt by a pastor. They've been hurt by a church. They, they got involved at one point, but uh, they found out, you know what? This church isn't perfect and there's sinful people here. And that won't change, by the way. 
The church isn't perfect, and there are sinful people here, and, and I'll say a little word about that as we move into the message. But, but some, it's hard to hear and get excited about the church because they've been hurt by the church. To some, the church is just dead. It's just dead. I mean, I'll be honest with you, there are a lot of dead churches. I mean, churches where you sit and nobody shakes your hand and nobody says hello and I'm so excited about our First Impressions ministry. Did anybody see the folks with the little tags and may I help you? I actually said yes to one of them and asked if I could have $100. She said she'd get back with me next week on that. So, uh, But isn't that cool? So now there's a group headed up by Joel and Darian Suarez and our young adults of about 50 or 60. We have a great young adult ministry. They have actually said, we're going to take that First Impressions and blow it up. And they are pumped. I mean, 9 o'clock, they were here shaking hands, greeting people. I hope you felt a difference today, and that will only get better. But many, the church is dead. It's just not exciting. Nobody says hello, and the music's dead and dry and boring, and the pastor's boring, and he preached, you know, he, his, his preaching is maybe dry. And, and so what happens is, is we, we folks come into the church, and they just think, you know what, what what's happening here? Does it, does it, nothing's going on. Nobody's, nobody's excited. And so to some, it's just hard to believe that God is working in the church because maybe they've been in a dead church. Some feel used by the church. They feel disconnected. They feel as if the church has disappointed them. Maybe the pastor let them down and, and didn't make a visit that he said he would make. Or maybe as a whole, the church uh, you know, didn't, didn't use them in the, in the areas that they were gifted in. And, and, and maybe some feel like they gave but did not receive. And there's a lot of different things out there that people could say and with the percentage of reality and truthfulness about the church as to why they're not connected. But I want you to know, in spite of all that, this is what God says, I will build my church. Church matters. It matters a lot. And in our text, Matthew chapter 16, verse 13 through 19, I want to challenge you to read that passage more this week. I've got a lot of scripture for you, but to save some time so I can finish on time, I want to take from that incredible passage on the church in Matthew 16, the words, I will build my church. What is the definition of the church? Well, there's a Greek word, it's called ekklesia, and that's not nearly as important as what that word means, because that word means the called out ones. The church are the called out ones. Some might say, well, called out from what? Called out from the world. These are those who have heard Jesus say, hey, hey, I love you. I died for you. And, and, and I, I paid your sin debt for you and, and I love you. And, and they respond to that call. And they accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. They're called out of the world into the church. And they become Christians. They, they become followers of Jesus Christ. I heard that call September the 1st, 1978. Greatest day of my life. I was sitting in a service and I heard the call. Hey, Eric. It's the Holy Spirit. And I love you and I died for you and I want to save you today. I stepped out, responded to that call, trusted Christ as my Savior. And honestly, I can say I've never been the same since. The called out ones have heard something. And if you have not heard that yet, if you're sitting in this building and you say, man, that's cool for you, but I'm not, I'm not jiving with you. I don't get it. I don't know that I've ever heard that call. I want you to know this morning, listen, God is calling you. Today is the day of salvation. He's calling you. If you'll open your heart to Christ and repent of your sin and trust Jesus as your Savior, you too could be called out. 
The word church is used 114 times in the New Testament. That's a lot. And every time it's used, it means one of two things. It's either speaking about the universal church or it's speaking about the local church. Now, what is the universal church? Well, let me get that over with real quickly because it's not spoken of too often in Scripture, but it is there. It is all believers for all time in all places through all centuries. It's all of the called out ones. It's the church of Jesus Christ in total. In fact, in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 18, it says, And he is the head of the body, the church. The church meaning every Christian that's ever lived in the history of the church. All the centuries of time coming together. This number could be into the millions upon millions of people that have trusted Christ and are a part of his church. But most often the Bible talks about the local church. In fact, the New Testament was written to local churches, like churches that have an address, like 600 Garland Street, Hot Springs, Arkansas, 71913. That's a local church. Or like Hot Springs Baptist on Weston Street, I think it is. That's a local church. Or like First Lutheran off the the bypass. That's a local church. Or like maybe uh, Emmanuel Fellowship on Grand Avenue. That's a local church. There's local churches that God speaks of in his word. In Acts chapter 8, it was the church in Jerusalem. Or you might be familiar with the, the, the book that Paul wrote to the Galatians. That was the church at Galatia or the church at Ephesus or the church in Corinth. So the Bible is all about local churches. Individual, specific churches. Now... Let me give you five reasons why church is important. And they're all in the Bible. I've got to convince you of this. I've got to get you connected to why is church so important? Why should we be connected, involved, a member of, a part of this thing called the local church? Well, number one, it's the place where sound doctrine is formulated. Scripture teaches us in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15, why this is so important. Because it says that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God. Not so much behaving yourself, you know, as far as your, your behavior would be, being quiet or being too loud. But that you would know what to believe. The, 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 the church of the living God, the pillar, the ground of the truth. That you would become someone who is not being uh, swayed by every little word out there that you know what you believe. You know why you believe it. You know in Scripture where it says to believe that particular thing because the church is a place where sound doctrine is formulated. And it's a place where the presence of Christ, number two, is lived out. You know what that means? Lived out meaning this. We are doing life together. For instance, since the last time we had church... I've actually had dinner or lunch or coffee with a bunch of people in this building. I've met with you. You've called me. You said, hey, Pastor, you got some time? We've had coffee. We've had a sip of coffee. We've talked on the phone for an hour. Or we've sat. I mean, my whole week has been basically spent with people in this room. Why? Because that's what people do that are a part of a church. They spend time together. They live their Christian life together. They go to small group together. They visit each other in the hospital. They love and they care for one another. God was brilliant when he came up with this idea. He was brilliant. He knew there was going to be a universal church, but he also knew that you and I would need a local church, a place where we could do life together. 
And then it's a place that Christ watches. Revelation chapter 2 and verse 3 is very interesting because in Revelation 2, 3, you've got this dialogue about seven different churches. It's pretty cool. You ought to read it sometime. And in those seven different churches, it's interesting. Jesus talks about the things they're doing right, but he also talks about the things they're doing wrong. He points them out. He says, I like this about you, but I don't like this about you. Why? Because Jesus watches the church. He wants to make sure the church is doing right things. And when the church is doing wrong things, Jesus is concerned about that. And he's willing to point those things out. It's a place that Christ loves. He loves the church. In fact, Ephesians 5.25 says this. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for it. Christ gave his life sacrificially for the church. And he wants husbands to do the same for their wives. And then it's a place that Christ protects. Oh, this is an interesting passage. In Acts chapter 9, verse 4, there's this guy named Saul that became Paul. You know more about Paul than you do Saul. But let me tell you about Saul. Jesus came to Saul right as he was about to be converted. And Jesus said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? I can see Paul saying, I'm not doing anything to you, Jesus. I'm just killing Christians. And Jesus said, it's exactly what I'm talking about. You see, when you kill Christians, you persecute me. It's important. You see, we are his body. When somebody hurts the church, they hurt God. They hurt Jesus. He's got a heart for the church. He protects the church. He's concerned about the church. And he's going to take care of people who come against the church. And that's what happened with Saul here. And we see Christ protects the church. And so there's a lot of reasons why the church is important. These are just a few. Let me give you quickly six pictures of the church. Number one, the church is a body. Look at 1 Corinthians on the screen, 12, 27. It says, now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. We talked about that last week. Individually members. You and I are part of this body. We have a place. We have a job, a specific job that we're supposed to do. In other words, we need to ask ourselves this question. Are my feet going where Christ wants me to go? Or are my feet just sitting under a pew every Sunday? Because you ain't getting much done with your feet tucked under that pew. I can tell you that for sure. Most people's feet are either under the pew or on an ottoman or propped up in a, in a lazy boy. God says, I want your feet going where I would go. Get in the trenches. Find something to do. God says, are your hands touching the lives of those that I would touch if I were there? Are your hands just in your pocket, by your side, just kind of like to yourself? Or are you finding lives to get involved in? You know what I found already in this first week of college, man? I, I'm getting involved in the lives of our young people, finding out who they are and where they're from and how I can help them. And it won't be long from having them over the house for dinner and we're hanging out and I'm getting to know them. And, and I love the ministry of, of our school and our college and our student ministries because you can, you can find a place to get involved. Is your mouth speaking with, to the people that Christ would want you to talk to? You see, God has no hands but our hands to do his work today. He has no feet but our feet to lead men to his way. He has no help but our help to lead men to his side. And he has no tongue but our tongue to tell men that Christ died. Because we're the only Bible this careless world will read. We're the sinner's gospel. We're the scoffer's creed. We're the Lord's last message written in deed and in word. And what if the line be crooked? Or what if the print be blurred? What if our hands are busy with other works than his? And what if our feet are leading where sin's allurement is? 
What if our tongues are speaking of things that Christ would spurn? How can we hope to aid him and hasten his return? You see, you are Jesus in this community. And if all you're doing is what you want to do and, and your things and your hobbies and your life, if it's not about at any point in this week about others and, and helping others, then truly you need to find your place in the body because you're needed and you're useful. The church is also a building. It's a building. It's cool. First Corinthians 3, 9 says this, for we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. You say, wait a minute, that's spooky. What do you mean? I'm a building? Like, no, no, that's beautiful. No, that's exactly, the church is not this building. The church is you and me. We are God's building. We come together to build each other up. We're here today to encourage one another, to exhort one another, sometimes to rebuke one another. But all of it is for the purpose of building one another up. He is building us. And every day we should be becoming more like Christ. The church is a flock. I love this one. Because in John chapter 10 and verse 16, it says, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, because there's only one shepherd. Amen? And that's the chief shepherd, Jesus Christ. And we are his flock. He is the shepherd. We are the sheep. And that's what I'm going to talk about a little bit next week, as we talk about the shepherd and the sheep of Psalm 23. It's so amazing. And then the church is a branch. In John chapter 15, verse 5, here's what it says. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, whoever's connected, if you're plugged into me, you're going to bear fruit. But if you get disconnected, you're going to be nothing. What is a branch that's disconnected from a vine? It's a stick. And what does God say to do with sticks? Throw them in the fire, they're useless. Nothing good about a stick. But when you're plugged into the vine, you a branch. You see, when you're plugged into church, there's something God can do. When we get plugged in, we find our place. Man, there's an energy, there's an excitement. I can say with all honesty, I've never felt more connected to our church. That's why I find myself so actively involved here because the branch is connected to the vine and Jesus says, that's what I need you to do. So I need you to get involved, not be a stick, but get plugged in and be a branch. Number five, the church is a family. Ephesians 2.19 says it like this. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens. You may have heard Jordan quote this verse. But you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household, or some, some translations would say family. I kind of like that. You're members of the family or the household of God. Because the church is a family. Are we a perfect family? Yes or no? No. We're not a perfect family. In fact, we've gone through great stuff and we've gone through great challenges. Kind of like my family. No perfect family. I mean, one day this week I actually had to tell my actually two days this week I had to apologize to my wife because I wasn't kind. I had to say, oh, sorry honey, that wasn't, that wasn't very good. One time it was because she was pouting, and I saw that, and it's not good when your wife pouts, you know? And I had to say, I'm sorry. You say, oh, Pastor, no, that's just family. Hey, look, family sometimes gets a little, am I right? It, come on. Gets a little sticky. You say, well, I'm surprised she came to church today. <laughs> I'm glad she did, because I wouldn't be here if she didn't. <laughs> what does that mean? That means family stick together. 
That means a little argument never ended a family. A little old, you know, it's sad when churches split. It's ugly, isn't it? I've had people talk to me about those kind of services where this person stands up and cusses this person and this guy gets angry at this person. This family storms out or this lady walks up in front of the pastor. Just kidding. And uh, <laughs> joking. I had to get her back. I had to get her back. So <laughs> just kidding. And so uh, I'll, I'll pay for that. Trust me. I will pay for that. <laughs> She's going to hold her tithe for a month. But anyway, so but people get angry and all of a sudden the next thing you know, Man, they're spreading out everywhere, and this guy's talking about this guy, and yeah, that pastor, he did this to me. And the body of Christ becomes all separated, and the testimony of the church goes to pot. But a family sticks together. A family sticks together. They love one another. They work through things. They talk to one another. They, 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 when they're offended, they go to someone and say, Brother, I'm offended. Can, I, can we work this out? Next, the church is a bride. It's the bride of Christ. In fact, in Revelation 19, 7, it says this, Let us rejoice and exult and give Him the glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and the bride has made herself ready. We are the bride. He is the groom. And He's coming back, and what He wants from us is to be ready. He wants our church to be alive and moving forward and accepting challenges because we are to be making ourselves ready for the groom who's coming soon. So in closing, I want to just give you a few more thoughts and we'll finish right on time with everything we've done. I want to talk to you about the priority of the church with a few more notes. I mean this because I, I, I really believe that my purpose this morning in casting vision is that our church becomes 100% participation. Everybody's involved. Nobody's disconnected. It may take us a while, a week, a month, six months, but my goal is by the end of this year, that's not six months, that's four months, that all of us are in the body serving as a priority. I know we got a lot of priorities. Some are not here today because they have a higher priority than the church. And, and, and I'm here today to say, be careful about prioritizing things above the church. Sometimes we prioritize even our kids' athleticism above the church. We find ourselves really traveling away from church on Sundays and trying to keep things together. And the only thing I would say to that is, do everything you can to, to keep church in your schedule. Because I can assure you, 10 years from now, our kids may not be in the NFL, but we want them in church. Just be careful. Nothing wrong with athletics. Nothing wrong with even playing a game on Sunday. But whatever you do, be very careful about disconnecting from the church and prioritizing other things above the church. Just something to think about. That's all. So how important is the church? Because God is doing a lot of stuff in the world. Would you not agree? And it's not always connected to the church. For instance, I hear about orphanages all the time that, are, that, that come out of mission boards. Not local church, but they're doing some great stuff. I actually give 35 bucks a month. My daughter and I split it half, half and half. And we support uh, a girl in uh, Sri Lanka who uh, is with Food for the Hungry. And 35 bucks a month feeds her for the month. And so we do that. We've been doing that for like five years. And she, she gave me her 20 bucks this week, you know. And we do that together. It's fun. And we get her letters and her pictures and she, she crayons. Stuff. It's so cool. It's a fun father-daughter thing. And we do that. That's not local church. That's called food for the hungry. There's a lot of ministries that are not connected to the church that are doing good things. You know what they're called? Hang on. Teach you something. Para-church ministries. Now, the word para means to come alongside of. So, initially, para-churches were to come alongside the church and help the church. They started 100 years ago. 
these organizations that aren't churches, they're other things, but they're not the church. They start about a hundred years ago is when this thing kind of came along. It was other institutions, probably because, hang on now, I'm going to be a little critical about my world, probably because the church wasn't getting the job done. And somebody says, since the church isn't getting the job done, we're going to have to start something else to get the job done. I'm not saying I agree with their method, but I am saying I understand why they did it. And so the Bible never mentions para-church, never one time. Not doesn't mention it. You won't find it in Scripture. The Bible doesn't condone it. But the Bible doesn't condemn it. So neither will I. But I do want to give you some dangers. The three dangers of other organizations that, that can potentially be not local church. Let me just give you the dangers and then at the end tell you how they work together. Number one, when organizations that are not the church try to imitate the church, that is dangerous. And there are organizations out there that will try to imitate the church. And oftentimes we find those become cults. For instance, sometimes you might have someone that approaches someone and says, hey, listen, man, you know, let me, let me baptize you. And, and, and you should not let anybody just baptize you that's not connected to the local church. I'm not saying everybody has to get baptized up there. You can get baptized in a river. You can get baptized in your bathtub if you want. But it needs to be sponsored, and, and, and there needs to be a connection to the local church. Because guess who God gave baptism to? The church. It's an ordinance of the church. And then there's the Lord's Supper. I'm not saying we can't get creative with the Lord's Supper and even be flexible with where we partake of the Lord's Supper. But I do believe that the Lord's Supper is an ordinance of the church. Communion is something that is what the church does. And for you just to go buy some grape juice or wine at a store and get a little unleavened bread and throw together a little party and have a Lord's Supper, that's not somehow connected to the local church is not, is dangerous. Just be careful about imitating, being a part of things that imitate the church, but they're not really the church. Number two, when organizations that are not the church try to starve the church. I believe the church today is hurting in many ways because of this. 80% of the wealth of the kingdom of Christ comes from North America. 80% of all financial resources that are given to advance the kingdom of Christ come from North America. 20% from the rest of the world. And 2.4% goes to either churches or other nonprofit organizations. 2.4. Not 2.4 to the church, but 2.4 divided up between the church and all other organizations. Not, not 10%, 2.4. Not 3%, 2.4%. Now, I know many of us have favorite organizations that are not the church that we support. I told you one of mine, Food for the Hungry. And I'm not against that. I think that's fine. We have places that we like to give a little bit to. And that's wonderful. And we should do that. Don't stop that. I'm for that. But I believe Scripture teaches the tithe belongs to the church. And there's a reason for that. It makes sense. God's plan is it's just awesome. We find in Malachi chapter 3 and verse 10, it says, Bring the full tithe into the storehouse. Why? So there'll be meat. There'll be food in my house. So I need you to support the church. And this is the plan to do it. Make the church the first place you place your giving. Any other giving you do. And so we've taught that here for years. Because God has financed our church through the generosity of God's people. Through the generosity of the membership of our church. And then the plurality of leadership called the elders manages that money. And we spend it and, and do the very best that we can under the leadership of the Holy Spirit. To make sure that our bills are paid and we're moving forward and accomplishing great things. So when the church is giving what it ought to give to the church. Then it stays strong. But when the church is starved. 
when we decide there's other areas, other things. Well, I, I give to this, I give to that. What about your church? Well, I, I usually throw in a couple bucks or give a little bit every now and then. But, you know, they're fine. They do good. That's not God's plan. So I, I, I like to talk about that when God gives me a chance because God's plan is so beautiful. And I can assure you, God blesses those who are faithful to give to the tithe. Last thing. When organizations that are not the church attempt to replace the church. Now, I mentioned already that the reason why I think that organizations have tried to replace the church is because the church has not stepped up. And that's why I'm preaching what I'm preaching this morning. The church has got to step up and be the church and do what it's called, what it's been called to do. Otherwise, people are going to step in and do it because we're not doing it. But when the church does what it should do, then guess what? The parachurch is at its best when it makes the church better. Example, Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Anybody ever heard of it? It's a phenomenal organization. It's phenomenal. We support the Fellowship of Christian Athletes as a church body, $200 a month. Your mission's giving, my mission's giving goes to every, $2,400 a year at least. Sometimes we throw in a little extra during Fields of Faith time. We might throw in an extra thousand. Why? Because we love that parachurch ministry. You know why? I'll give you one reason. Because every year they have something called Fields of Faith. It's at Lakeside Public School. They pack out a football field with hundreds and thousands of young people, and they preach the gospel. And guess what? I've got a video of it. I saw it happen. I was there. He gave the gospel. He said, stand if you want to receive Christ. And 450 young people stood and were dealt with individually. They received Christ. And guess what he did with all those names and addresses? He gave them to local churches to follow up on. Two thumbs up and a hand cap of praise for the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. What am I saying? I'm saying that's when it works beautifully. When an organization says, hey, listen, we're doing our thing over here because we've got kind of a, we got a corner here that you don't have. Church can't get to the public school, but hey, we're going to come alongside you and let you follow up. That is beautiful. And that's how it should work. I'll build my church. That's what God does every day. You know what I want to be a part of? That. I want to be a part of God building his church. Somebody asked me the other day, what, what is your hobby, preacher? Do you hunt? Nah, no. Nah. You don't want me shooting a gun. That's dangerous. Do you fish? I don't have a fishing pole. Nothing wrong with it. It's in the Bible. Jesus was fished. I, I probably should fish. I probably could save a little grocery money if I could fish. You preacher, do you, do you hunt? Do you fish? Do you, what do you do? Do you golf? It's scary. My golf is basically just four. You ever heard of that? Just yell four. Actually, yell it before you hit it. It's safer, actually, that way. My hobby's the church. I love this place. You can't keep me away. I love people. This is where I, I love being here. I don't expect everybody to feel that way, but I do hope you feel that way enough to say, hmm, the church matters, doesn't it? Yeah, it matters. And God, God started the church, and it's important to God, isn't it? Oh, it's big-time important. Preacher, I need to do something more than just attend and listen to you entertain me every week. I need to get involved, don't I? And I hope I do more than entertain you. I hope, I hope you like what you hear. I, I do want to be interesting. But sometimes I'm afraid to some, I'm why you come. and I don't like that. I don't want to be why you come. I want to be Jesus and the people of this church. I want to be way down the list 
Eric's a nice guy. He, he keeps me awake, but he's interesting. But, dude, I love my church. I love the people. I love the nursery. I love the buses. I love the kids. I love the madhouse. I love the class that he forgot to put in the bulletin. I love this church. And I need you. And we need you. So I'm just asking everybody to do some reflecting this week. Are you plugged in? Are you involved? Are you serving? Do you have a place? Do you have a little niche? Do you have a niche? Do you have a... Is there a little spot in the nursery? Do you volunteer once a month to help? Do you... Are you, could you help Joe with the children's ministry? He's, uh, this kid is fired up. I called him yesterday. I said, hey, Joe, where you been? He said, I've been up at the children's church for the last couple hours, Dad, just cleaning, getting ready for tomorrow. He's already in. I said, son, you're not hired yet. You're still the worship pastor. He said, Dad, I'm getting an early start. I'm in. Well, he's in now, officially. He's busy. And hopefully two or three of these or five or ten will come to you soon and say, hey, Joe, what can I do to help? It's great. It's a work. See, some people have been saying, man, preacher, the church is more full. There's more people. Man, the balcony's half full. Man, preacher, that 9 o'clock service, man, the parking lot was full when I drove up. I couldn't find a spot. Exactly. So guess what? That should mean there's more people wanting to serve. Amen? And so I, I promise, next week we're in Psalm 23. We're going to be in green pastures next week. It's going to be totally different. I'm I'm not going to be talking about the church or casting vision. This is my one opportunity that God has given me to reach out and give you a big hug and say, are you in? Are you in this thing? Let's, let's decide. We, we need a place in this body to serve. Let's bow for prayer, shall we? Just for a moment. I finished on time. I'm, I'm done. We're going to just have a couple minutes of response. And I got to get to Alabama by 7 o'clock to preach tonight. But I, maybe there's somebody in here that would say, you know, Pastor, I, I just need to pray this morning about where it is you want me to serve. You can pray in your seat. You can pray at your altar. At the altar, you can pray with your spouse, friend. You don't have to come forward, but we do give you an opportunity. Butch and I are up front if you need somebody to pray with you. But just in the stillness of this moment, as we sing one or two verses of this song and close the service, I want to I give you a chance to connect with God who founded the local church. I may be the pastor, but I'm under Jesus. He's the chief shepherd of this church. He is in charge here. Jesus. Father, I love you. God, bless this service. If there's anyone here today that needs to get connected to Christ, I pray that they would come and find that the vine called Jesus is the source of spiritual energy and and the security of our future in heaven. So may they respond in just a moment. Others that just need to come and maybe pray for a few moments and and seek your face about where it is you would have them to serve. God, I pray that you'd continue to work in this place. God, there's no one like you, and I know that. And I pray that everyone could know that this morning. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Shall we stand?